Well, it's a little cold this morning, but aren't you glad you came out today? I mean, you would have missed Rick. You never know what Rick's going to say when he's worship leaders. I never know what Rick's going to say when he's worship leader. But I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. After reading that story, do you remember your baptism? You remember it. It's a, maybe a strange question for some of you, I guess. While our particular tribe of the Christian tradition baptizes adults through immersion, fully submersing someone in a bathtub of water, as our kids said. And we are a church that welcomes and affirms all baptisms that are centered on Christ. So if you were baptized as a child, you may not remember your baptism. If you were baptized as a fifth grader, a lot's happened since you were a fifth grader. Uh, Even if you're in sixth grade, a lot's happened since you were a fifth grader. You may not remember your baptism. And it may be hard for some because, well, you haven't been baptized. Hard to remember something that hasn't happened. If you are someone who hasn't been baptized and it's something you've thought about, considered, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Marty. We'd love to visit with you about that. But for those who have been baptized, what do you remember? Do you remember the water, the temperature, too cold or too hot? Do you remember who was there, who was watching? Do you remember the circumstances in your life that may have led up to that? Do you remember how you felt afterwards? Were you baptized? Well, because everyone else was being baptized. Were you baptized because you had to be? That's what you were supposed to do. Were you baptized because you went through pastor's class and that was the end of pastor's class, so you were baptized? When we come to this Sunday, the Sunday when we reflect on Christ's baptism, we cannot help but also reflect on our own and of those of others, of our children, the baptisms we have witnessed in our life. And maybe as we approach this topic, perhaps we bring also not just memories, but some hesitations, maybe some questions, some confusion, because frankly, baptism is a little weird, isn't it? Of all the things that we do as church, this might be the weirdest. Other than the pool at camp, where is it acceptable to dunk anyone under the water? And not only is it acceptable, but we do it among a worship service and we rejoice after as if it's a life-changing event. It might be one of the strangest things we do as church. Now, I remember my baptism baptism as if it was yesterday. It wasn't. It was 25 years ago. I was 10. I'm young, I know. And I was baptized mostly, well, because if I didn't, I would go to hell. It was a Wednesday. I had gone to our church midweek Bible study. Uh, During the lesson, the teacher was teaching about baptism and asked us to imagine two doors, one that led to heaven and one that led to hell. And he asked us, which door do you want to go through? (laughs) Well, duh, right? (laughs) The heaven door. Well, I hadn't been baptized. I was 10. I didn't want to die suddenly on the way home that night. So I better take care of this so I could go through the right door. And later that evening, with my family close, some family friends and our minister watching, my dad baptized me. And you know, even though I entered the water because I was afraid, and even though I was young, too young to really understand what was happening, I remember when I came up, it just felt good. Like something had changed. I didn't know what. I didn't understand. I remember thinking later, oh no, I can't pick on my 
friends. I had two close friends who were girls, and we were kind of getting into it afterwards. I was annoying them. I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I'm baptized. I'm new. <laughs> but I felt different. Something had changed. I was beloved. Now, Jesus' story of his baptism, it's one of the only stories in the Gospels that show up in every Gospel. It's in all four. And it differs throughout them. The details vary. But each Gospel either begins, like Mark's Gospel does, right away with the baptism, or it gets to it pretty quickly. Now, today, Rick read to us from the Gospel of Luke, which is really usually the last Gospel we go to to learn about Jesus' baptism. Usually, we go to Matthew or Mark. They're the ones who tell us all the details, the story that you know and that you love. Most of their details paint a pretty picture, the one that, that, that's in your head when you think of Jesus. John's Gospel handles things sort of as an afterthought. It's actually John the Baptist who shows up and tells a crowd about baptizing Jesus. He's testifying to the event after the fact. And Luke's account, well, it's really the most basic of all. It talks mostly about John the Baptist, as you read. And then when it comes to the actual baptism of Jesus, this is all Luke says. He says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying... The heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. A voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Where are all the details? Jesus' baptism seems like almost an afterthought. Luke doesn't really tell the story. Just now when all the people were baptized, oh, and Jesus was also baptized. Just kind of a throwaway sentence. We're told earlier that John is baptizing in the Jordan River region, yet here there's no mention of the Jordan River. I'm told you can go to the Holy Land today and you can go to the Jordan River and they'll show you the exact spot where they believe Jesus was baptized. You can be baptized there yourself, rebaptized or for the first time. And yet Luke doesn't even mention the Jordan River at this point. And we're not, we don't even know if John baptized him. You remember from what we just read, Herod had already arrested John. John's not even on the scene when Luke tells us about the baptism. But there's one thing that Luke does not miss. There's one thing that none of the Gospels miss. And that's that the heavens open up after his baptism. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove, like we have pictured behind us. Descends on Jesus and a voice from heaven speaks. You are my son, your beloved. I am pleased with you. Now, throughout the history of Christianity, we've argued a lot over baptism. How to do it, when to do it, do we baptize babies or adults or somewhere in between? We baptize by sprinkling or pouring or by immersion. Do we do it because you have to do it to be saved or we do it because you're already saved and it's a sign of that salvation? And does it have any spiritual significance at all or is it just a sign, just an outward practice that has little meaning. Churches have divided, split, and fought over these issues. Which is why it's kind of surprising that Luke doesn't pay a lot of attention to the details. I want him to explain it all out, answer all the questions, but he just kind of moves past those questions, leaves them hanging, and takes us to what happens after the baptism. The heavenly voice, the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus. God saying, you are beloved, I am pleased with you. It makes me wonder if Luke's trying to get us to the real point of baptism. But it's not about the details. It's about that voice. 
Now, I no longer believe that baptism is some magical get-out-of-hell-free card. And I'm not really interested in all those debates about the modes and methods of baptism. If it's for babies or adults or fifth or sixth graders, that's not the point. However, and whenever it is done, God is big enough to work through it all. There's a lot of reasons to be baptized and a lot of things we might remember from our own. But I wonder through it all, whatever the reasons, do you remember your voice? That voice speaking to you. You are my beloved. I'm pleased with you. A baptism, yeah, it is pretty weird. Why even bother? I think we bother because we need that voice, that reminder in a world that tells us that we are not good enough, not smart enough, talented enough, or loved enough to earn, let alone the favor of people around us. How could we ever earn God's favor? That we need to know beyond a doubt that we are beloved by God and God is pleased with us. We need that moment, that sign of grace from God that says before our family, before the church, before the world, that I, a sinner, is beloved by God. That's why I like baptism by immersion because I love what it signifies because you just can't help but get soaked. And you come up and you're drenched. And that's how it is with God. You're soaked, drenched in God's love, 100% beloved by God, surrounded by God's love always. There's one more thing in the text that Luke includes. The last sentence in in our reading, I cut it off, Rick, because after that it goes into genealogy and it gets a lot of names and we didn't want to do that to Rick today. But the last sentence of that reading, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. An oddly specific sentence in a story that is so vague on the details. I think Luke wants us to pay attention again. Yes, the voice came. But after the voice came, what happened? What did Jesus do? He was 30, which for someone in his time was pretty much middle age. And his baptism changed his life. Sent him out to begin his work. To begin the ministry he was called to. After Jesus' baptism, everything changes. And I think that's the same with us. Through our baptism, God speaks to us and God calls us. Baptism reminds us who we are and calls us to go out into this world and to live like the beloved children of God that we are and to share with that world that they too are beloved by God. So whenever, however your baptism happened, whether you remember it or not, Know that God speaks. God is speaking to you in that water, calling you as a beloved child of God, and that you are sent from that water into the world to be a blessing to this world that God so loves. Remember your baptism. Remember God's voice. You are worthy. You are beloved. God is pleased with you, and God is sending you from water into the world to share with others that God loves them so much. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we approach the table, we're going to sing one of, I think, our favorite songs. A song of sending, a song of hearing God's voice and responding to God's call. Number 452, Here I Am, Lord, verses 1 and 3.